baptized on January 6th of this year. And through this whole process of self-assessment, I realized that um, calling myself Reese was a mask. And it was um, a way for me to hide Sharice. You're listening to the Leverage Your Incredible Factor podcast with Darnielle Jervy Harmon. The place to be to leverage and scale a business that serves you financially and spiritually. I'm your host, spiritual business growth strategist, Darnielle J. Harmon. Join me each week for inspiring stories, powerful interviews, and business growth strategy to help you experience abundance in your life because of your business. If you are ready to play and pray bigger, let's get this party started. If this is your first time joining me, there's just a few things I wanna make sure that you know. Number one, I am not new to this, I am true to this. For more than 10 years, I have been growing businesses, period. I am the absolute best at combining spiritual principles with business growth strategy to turn entrepreneurs into multiple six and seven figure CEOs. And no, in case you were wondering, you do not have to choose. You can love God and make both loads of money. And I'm on a mission to create even more multiple six and seven figure CEOs. Oh, and we don't do hustle and grind. We do spirituality and systems. You might be wondering exactly what the incredible factor is. And if that's you, I invite you to go all the way back to our very first episode. I even give you a really powerful worksheet that you can download so that you can find yours because it is the key to beginning to leverage and scale your business. And I am tickle purple that you are listening in today. This episode is powered by the Grow Your Business Toolkit. If you are a service-based entrepreneur who is ready, I mean really ready to crack the code on having a seven-figure business, this toolkit will literally give you the keys to the seven-figure castle. Learn more and grab yours today at growyourbiztoolkit.com. In today's episode, I chat with Sharice Floyd Thompson, and she says, it's not about hiding your victim story. It's about increasing your visibility through the power of your story. Listen to me. I need you to get ready to get your whole life. Sharice is one of the best who ever did it as it pertains to storytelling. Not only because she's got her own very powerful story. I mean, the girl's been through something and she has figured out how to take what she's been through in order to help other people to get to where it is that they desire to be. Yeah, she's bad to the bone. But more than that, what I really want you to understand and gather from our conversation is that the victim status that you've been hiding in was really designed to set you up to increase your visibility so that you can truly shake the planet. Let me stop getting ahead of myself and take a quick moment and read Sharice's bio. Sharice Floyd Thompson is the president of Storymakers Consulting, a communications and messaging firm representing nonprofits, faith communities, socially driven private companies, and entrepreneurs. As a storytelling and branding strategist who helps leaders and business owners learn how to turn their life experiences into profitable brand stories. She is the creator of the Story Makers Formula, a three-part method of discovering, shaping, and sharing stories to develop a brand from the inside out. Leveraging her 15 years of marketing and public relations experience, she has helped organizations raise over $2 million, 
meet celebrity influencers and win a new car. She has been featured or quoted in Business Insider, Blavity, Entrepreneur, YFS Magazine, Forbes, The Huntington Post, Inside Business, Cova Biz, and Coastal Virginia Magazine. She was named the Best Outstanding Emerging Professional and Best Social Media Personality by Cova Biz Magazine. She is also a Woman in Business honoree as named by Inside Business. Let me tell you, again, you about to get your whole entire life <laughs> because Sharice is joining me for a very much needed conversation on shifting from victim to visibility. There is so much power in what you've been through. You guys know that I have been telling you and, and unpacking parts of my story and how I've been able to shift that story into not only my good, but for the good of other people. Listen, she's going to break down for you. And this was actually my favorite part where she shares not only the six different types of stories you can unpack and begin to tell based on the things that you've been through, but more importantly, how you can leverage those stories into cold, hard cash. If you are ready to shift from victim to visible, then you're going to need to grab a pen and paper and get ready to listen in it's going to change your whole life if you let it. Let's jump into my conversation with Sharice Floyd Thompson. Sharice, I am so excited to welcome you to the Leverage Your Incredible Factor Business Podcast. How are you today? I am doing really well. Awesome. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, you know, I have had an amazing love affair with you since the moment that I met you. I am so grateful to know you, I'm, I'm thankful to Sue. Shout out to Sue Dennis, if you're listening, for inspiring Cherise to register to be a volunteer at Breakthrough in Business last year. So those of you who are listening, we go a little ways back. Um, but before we get ahead of ourselves, Cherise, I do want to just give you an opportunity to tell everybody who you are in your own words. Well, I am Cherise Floyd Thompson, and really close people can call me Reese. Just like the peanut butter cup, just, you know, not full with peanut butter today, at least. Um, <laughs> and I am, um, I always hesitate when people ask me, like, who are you in your own words? But I'm a master brand story strategist, which is only like a small part of what I do in this world. Um, but I like to teach people how to tell their stories and how to market themselves. And so that's where I'm at in the world right now. Awesome. So you already said two things. Well, one thing I want to pull on that they don't necessarily know about, but I know about, so we're going to talk about that. And then this only a small thing that you do in the world. So, you know, I want to know everything that you do in the world. So, but first, before we go there, when I first met you, I didn't know you very well, but I could call you Reese. Yes. And then you had something occur. I want you to describe what happened for the people and why you then wanted people to call you by your birth name? Well, I, I guess the, the something, which we can talk about in more detail, was that I got um, baptized on January 6th of this year. And through this whole process of self-assessment, I realized that um, calling myself Reese was a mask. And it was um, a way for me to hide Sharice. And um, so, yes, it's, you know, it's a nickname and, it, and it's fun and it's cutesy and all of that. But for me, it was really just hiding who I truly was. And so um, I needed to, to come back to my full self, which is Sharice. 
Yeah, that's so good already because I tend to think that that may be even part of the reason why you just said a little bit of what I do in the world is this, right? Mm -hmm. And so what was it about the the d developing a relationship with God? Because when I met you, please correct me if I'm wrong, you are not a believer mm -mm. in any stretch of the imagination. I was not. Nope. I and so what, what changed? I have chills already, just so you know that that means that God is here. He is with us. So I have no idea, those of you who are listening, what is about to happen. I'm just putting it out there. But <laughs> I feel his presence so succinctly right now okay so when i first met you mm -hmm. i re and i remember you said to me some something to the effect of i don't know if i'm comfortable with all of this but i'm <laughs> glad i came so so yeah. what 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 made you seek after god to the point where now you've baptized and, and like dedicated your whole life your husband like the whole nine like how, how did this all happen well um I came and I volunteered at the event, and like I had shared with you, um, I knew the event had a had a God focus. I wasn't sure it was something that I wanted to do, but I wanted to be in the space. Mm -hmm. So um, I was volunteering, and of course, I heard what was going on, and um, we were, um, as part of the event, could participate in the activities, and I just was truly touched by a lot of things that were happening in the room. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, in my mind, I was fighting it. I was absolutely fighting it, but it seemed like everything that we did, something was, it was uncovering something about myself. Mm -hmm. And um, there were, when I walked in the room, I walked in small. I walked in feeling like I didn't belong there. Like everybody in the room was better than me. I even came in the room with my own, um, feeling less than someone who I thought was really, really so much greater than me in the same sort of arena than I. And so as each one of those, we did each one of those activities, that stuff started to really break down. And I remember back at the hotel, I set up because there was one activity that we did that was talking about our inner seven-year-old. Mm -hmm. I set up in the middle of the night and kind of understood what my life how my life had transformed from that inner seven year old perspective. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was um, not showing up in my full potential, not showing up the way that God had created me, honestly. When I left the event, I knew that I was changed, but I didn't know how much I was changed mm -hmm. because I still came back into my world and I was fighting it. But you never left my mind and God never left my mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, so that happened in May mm -hmm. and I came home and I was like, and, and in full disclosure, I thought I was in business, but I learned at the event, I was really in a hobby. And so I was in full struggle mode behind the scenes with, with the husband and uh, we just weren't making enough money to kind of make ends meet. And I came home and realized that I was doing myself a disservice by claiming that I was an entrepreneur and claiming that I was a, a CEO and ain't had no money and was stuck in the shame of not wanting to go back to work. Mm. And I had a come to Jesus moment, literally, when 
my husband who also did not go to church started to go to church Mm, and I was like why are you going to church (laughs) really trying to keep him from going but he found something that he liked and he was the one God used him to bring me out of my own stuff Mm -hmm. and um so long story short, because I am a storyteller, but long story short, we um, ended, I ended up joining the church. I had these things that I wanted to do as far as the business was concerned. And it was right around Black Friday and mm-hmm. I was putting out an offer and I just heard this voice so loudly that just told me to be still. Mm-hmm. And it was like, be still in terms of no promotion, no business stuff. Don't talk about it. Don't be about it. I just had to be still. And that's what I decided to do for like a month and a half. And in that time, I kept hearing God, which now I know was him, just telling me that I was going to be okay and that he had me. And he kept saying to me, my people don't know about me. My people don't know about me. And I didn't understand at the time what he was trying to tell me. I now know what it was. But I was like, okay, what are we doing? But in the time that I was still, I came out of that understanding who I was, um, whose I was, understanding what my role is in this world and understanding what he wants me to do with my life and the gifts that he has given me. And so um, at the end of 2019, when we went to church and we prayed that night and found out that you know, they were going to be doing baptisms in January. I knew that that was, that was my time and it was time for me to transform. And so that's kind of how it came together. Wow. It's, <laughs> I mean, you said like three really powerful things mm-hmm. that I don't even know if you know that you said them. So I just kind of want to double click on them because I think that the listener who feels this way or who has ever felt this way will not only resonate with where you were as we talk about where you are going, because that's, you know, that's the real story. Mm -hmm. Um, So you said, when I walked into the room, I walked in small, Mm -hmm. like I didn't belong. And I know those of you who are listening, you've had moments where you felt that Lord knows I have. Mm -hmm. Um, And whenever we are dealing with imposter syndrome, because that's what it is, right? Where we feel like some somehow something about us is not as good as everyone else in the room and and they haven't been through you know they haven't been through what we've been through and because they haven't been through they could they are automatically at this higher playing field which is probably the farthest thing from the truth right i always say the person who has the most success has been through the most Mm -hmm. because it's part of it you know failure doesn't come before success just in the dictionary failure comes before success in every facet of life and so So that's typically the way it is, but it's the way we see ourselves, which takes me back to the first thing that you said, calling myself Reese was a mask. It was Mm -hmm. a way to hide Sharice and who she really was Mm -hmm. or is. And then the last thing you said, which I I love this, um, doing yourself a disservice, claiming that you are an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. without really being willing to do what it, it took to be able to cross over into entrepreneurship. And so- for you and for everybody who's listening, you're not alone. A lot of people. I, I, and I chuckled early and apologized, everyone, because I'm the reason why she realized it. <laughs> because I, one of the things that does frustrate me to no end, and, and this isn't specific to Sharice, but it does bother me when people call themselves CEOs and they are not running business. And 
you know, like in full disclosure, I just did a VIP day with a million dollar CEO that needs help CEOing <laughs> and he's got a million dollar business. Like, so it's at every level, everywhere you turn, most people are not operating inside the confines of business. And that's part of the reason why they're not experiencing success. And some of it is because when they walk into room, they room, they feel small. And the room could be a virtual room. It doesn't have to be a physical place, but something in them doesn't feel like they deserve to be there, which goes all the way back to one of the early things that Cherie said, which is about her inner seven-year-old. I have not yet done an episode on the podcast about the inner seven-year-old. And I, like, you're like the, maybe the third or fourth interviewee that has been in my world and or been to one of my events that's talking about this inner seven-year-old. So I feel like that's going to be coming up in one of my future solo episodes because it's deep. I mean, that's what I did my TED talk on mm-hmm. because it is really, really, um, until you get a handle on it, it'll continue to sabotage, yes. you know what I mean? And just cause massive problems for you. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so you're coming into an understanding of who Sharice is mm-hmm. and, and what have you learned about Sharice, which is why you took off the mask of Reese. Tell us a little bit about that. I've actually learned that I... I'm good at a lot of things and I I needed a lot of external validation Um, I needed people like and still to a degree people to say to give me that pat on the back because my inner seven-year-old wasn't getting any of that Um, and so I really one of the reasons that I felt small is because I felt people had to tell me that I was worthy enough to be in the room. Um, I am used to be one of those people who were so overly grateful. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. All of that. Feeling like that I should be grateful for an opportunity and I am grateful when I get opportunities, but to just drown the person in all of this stuff really was showing that I didn't think that I was worthy of it. And I am learning that just because people have more money than me, that does not make them better than me. And nobody really is smarter than me. I mean, no one's more smarter than I. I'll say it that way. (laughs) No, no, no. I like it the way you said it the first time. And that's what prompted me to pick up my purple hand clap. So for those of you who are listening, Reese just earned a purple hand clap moment because you're exactly right. There is no one smarter than you. And once you realize it, like that is the key. Like when you, and I'm sure you do this, please mm-hmm. tell me I'm not the only one. You listen, you listen back to yourself mm-hmm. or you look at stuff that you've done and you're like, I did that. <laughs> like, exactly. I, I'm my copywriter. Cause I love to write. Writing is one of my gifts. I'm, I'm like you, I'm multi-gifted. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, you know, I have an email account where I receive all of my emails, just like everybody on my list does. And I read these emails and I'm like, I'm about to sign up. Like it like, was just so good. But there, but there's something amazing that happens when you, as I like to say, you see yourself the way God has always seen you. Like mm-hmm. his image of you has never faltered. It's been the image of yourself and the image of yourself is, has changed not through any fault of your own, but through the people who are around you. That's how your inner seven-year-old got jacked up, right? You know, I, I do the the experiment where I have the clear water and then I pour 
the the iodine in and I say and then you know you're born into the world as this vessel of light and then you meet your parents <laughs> it goes dark and people are like well my parents were okay maybe they weren't like my parents drug addicts but they taught you things and they led you to believe that things about yourself were not the truth Mm -hmm. From their vantage point. And I'm not dissing anybody's parents. I think your parents, all of our parents, mine included, they did the best that they could with what they had. But what they had was not always right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we grow up and live what they taught us in those first seven years of our lives until we learn how to break the patterns, right? right. And so it feels like to me what started to happen for you is you started to break the patterns. You started to realize that those old stories, pun intended, were not actually your story. And you could be your most successful case study of a story maker because you could make a different story. And the story that you choose to carry forward is the one that could really allow you to do some massive impact out in the world. Right. Right. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I say to clients all the time that we are the stories that we tell ourselves. We can either tell an empowering story or a disempowering story. And we can be addicted to our stories. Yeah. The, 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 the woe is me, the sob story, the victim mentality. And it's like victim, real victims don't have choices. Every one of us has a choice to do something different to think different to act different and to show up in the world differently um and so yeah those stories can really really mess you up um if you're not able to kind of um put them in their rightful place i guess yeah i mean what you just said was really good <laughs> real <laughs> victims don't have a choice mm -hmm. but we all have choices because we're not real victims we're yeah. masquerading as victims because it's easier than standing boldly as the victor we were created to be yes oh that's good yes. oh my gosh it takes, good. it takes work to stand boldly it's kind of um like when you think about that that example that you talked about um with the iodine like what i love about that inner seven-year-old thing um exercise is that we are all as kids we we come into this world we're excited we just know what we know we come with this exuberance mm -hmm. and then people start telling us that we can't do something we shouldn't do something like you said they pour on all of this stuff like i did not grow up with an alcoholic mother. I grew up with the effects of an alcoholic mother because my grandmother was an alcoholic. My mother had me when she was 17, didn't know what she was doing and all of the stuff that her mother dumped on her, she dumped on me. Mm. And she didn't have an identity for herself. She had lost dreams, which she told me that I killed her dreams. So all of that stuff was dumped on me as the first child of the next generation wow. so i didn't really learn how to be sharice until i was born again on january 6th wow. so i'm still a baby right now <laughs> wow, that that is really powerful and um yeah that's that's so powerful and at the same time, the fact that you can recognize it, I think is where the power really is. Like, and that's why I think forgiveness is so important, right? You know, at, at 17, your mom, she, she only knew what she knew, right? And she only knew what she had been taught, which is 
how you had the effects of it, although your mother herself wasn't the alcoholic. And even with that, recognizing at, at the age, you know, whatever age you are now that you've come into this realization that it's okay mm -hmm. and it didn't kill you. Right. And so there's an opportunity for you to use it for mm -hmm. your good mm -hmm. and turn it around, which I think would serve everybody. Like I think, and what I really feel like I want us to, to spend a little bit of time talking about is, um, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves, because I similarly say what holds us back are the stories that we tell ourselves, right? And how do we, how do we start to tell a different story? Mm -hmm. So you, you know, whether it's what started at Breakthrough, what, you know, what continued in your husband going to church, what culminated into the Lord speaking to you and telling you to be still, and then for you to have this complete knowing that it was time for you to really create a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. The, the process to change the story. That's what, that's what I feel like people need. And especially because of what's going on right now in our country. Oh right? Like, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, you know, I'm a black girl, just like you're a black girl. And I was feeling some type of way about it. You know, e even, even though George Floyd was a criminal, mm -hmm. his life still matters. Right. And I felt some kind of way about it, but I had to stop. I had to, I had to come out of that story because mm -hmm. if I stayed in that story, I would probably be picketing and protesting. Yes. And that's not my, that's not what God gave me and how he gave me to serve the world. Right. right. I mean, I've donated to the causes. We'll continue to do so so that those who go out and pick it can do so. Cause that's not, that's not the way that I fight. I fight by having an amazing business mm -hmm. and helping other people have amazing businesses so that we can be the change we want to see. And then we can have some change to get to the causes that are out on the front line of change. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I had to come out of that story because that story was taking me to a place that I remember being as a child. Because mm -hmm. I grew up in chaos. I mean, both of my parents were addicts. Mm -hmm. and my mom went to jail. Like it was, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was cantankerous. It was chaotic. It was all of those things that I think people are feeling now. Right. So for the people that are caught in the story, their story, whichever story they're telling them, themselves. I would love to retrace your steps over the last year to really get to the point where your story changed. Mm -hmm. so what was the first thing, the first step, if you will? So if you were writing a blueprint right now for people to change their story, what would you tell them is the first thing that they need to do? The first thing is that they have to be open. Um, sounds a little bit like a cliche, but it really... It is because I, like I said, I was fighting it. I was fighting to come to the event. I was fighting it when I was at the event. I fought it when I got home. And it was only until I had that moment where I could clearly hear that I was being told to just put, put everything down. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't open to that, um, I probably would still be on the same path. Mm -hmm. um, and because our mind is a really... Um, a powerful reality. Our mind can create this powerful reality. And so I basically got to a point where I was just tired of living the lie, mm -hmm. tired of showing up like I had it all together when I knew what that bank account was really looking like. <laughs> yeah. Showing up like all, you know, like all is good. So I was tired of like carrying this, this burden 
but I had to still have an open mind. And I knew that going through those experiences and how I was crying and where the cries were coming from, that it was really breaking. I was really truly having a breakthrough. I was crying from a place that was so deep that it, I truly was weeping and wailing, like seriously. <laughs> yeah. But the first step was to have um, an open mind and being open to the idea that what I thought I knew was all wrong, mm -hmm. um, which turned out to be the yeah. case. Actually. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, I like that because if you can just be open to the fact that maybe, you know, like I, I remember I was having a conversation with a potential client and they were like, but, but what if you're wrong? And I was like, well, what if I'm right? And I don't know if they had ever thought about the flip side of it, but when I spoke the flip side, it created in them an openness that create that gave the, the door, the door became open so that, you know, I could walk through the opportunity, the possibility could walk through the door. So the first step is to be open. Okay. So I'm open. I'm listening. I'm realizing that what I thought I knew may not be the truth. And I'm open to there being another reality and not another possibility. What happens next? Then it's um, taking a step towards, for me, it was God. So I, you know, I went to church. Um, I even sat in church fighting that whole process. <laughs> but it's taking, taking a step towards whatever your goal is. Um, because here's the thing. Our mouths cannot speak and our eyes cannot see what our brain doesn't know. Mm. So if you don't, if you're open to it, but you really don't have an awareness of it, and I'll, I'll talk about it differently from the God perspective, since we're talking, you know, in an in a entrepreneur CEO mindset, mm -hmm. if you have never experienced a level of money or you have never experienced a level of success, your brain doesn't know what that is. So you can't speak it. You can't live it. You can't create you can't it. it. Yeah, you can't be it. And everyone's yeah. always like, be, just be. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's good. I want to tell this quick story. Um, it's, it's ch I chuckle because every time I tell it, it makes me laugh. So, so I, you know, I worked in corporate America and I had a great job. I made $120,000 a year but I never had $120,000. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I got paid. I, I didn't quite live at the end of my, my paycheck, but very close. Mm -hmm. And so I never really had money. So I came out to entrepreneurship. I struggled massively in the early years. 2013 was like my breakout year. I did not a live event. I had maybe 68 people in the room, I think, and 33 people signed up. The deposits, the the amount of cash from the deposits was like $60,000 or $80,000 or something like that. Mm -hmm. I went to the bank. So I ran all the credit cards, cashed all the checks, took all the money out, all mm -hmm. 60 or whatever thousand out, took it home, put it on the bed, took all my clothes off, and I rolled around in it. Because <laughs> I didn't know what it felt like to have $60,000 at one time. Right. And I needed to embody it. I needed to be it. I needed to feel it. I needed to take a step towards it in order to be able to begin to shift my money consciousness and my money mindset, right? And so in case anybody's wondering, yes, when I got up off the money, I washed my butt before I took the money back to the bank. 
And I also went and I bought a BMW because I wanted to be in a luxury car. And I was like, I can't, I, I felt like an imposter. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you be teaching people to grow these massive businesses and you don't look like you right. have a business like that, right? And so at that particular event, my we ended up, uh, our total sales were over $300,000. So I went from like, I don't know, whatever I had made the last year to making 300 and some thousand dollars in three days. So mm-hmm. it was like crazy. And, um, and that, but that was the beat to, to your point. That was my thing. I was like, now, now I can talk about money. Yeah. I can talk about it differently because I, that was also the beginning of my, me having six figure cash flow Cause I went, I put all that $60,000 into the bank. It must've been 80,000 cause I bought a car and then I still had money in the bank. And then over the next few months, I stockpiled until I got to the point by the end of 2014, I had a hundred thousand dollars in cash in my business savings account. And that was like what started for me as six figure cash flow. And then I've just constantly worked on my money mindset because I had that first, these first two steps, I was open and then I was taking the steps towards something greater and that greater part of that being the goal, right? The goal of wholeness and completeness. Okay. So that's good. And then what do I do after that? You got to do the work. Do the work. And and the funny thing is work is messy. (laughs) It's not easy. (laughs) Work is going to break you all the way down when you're doing real work. It's not, it's, it's so uncomfortable because you really are breaking through um, a shell. It's breaking through everything that you thought you knew. It's so messy. It's not easy. It doesn't come overnight. It's not in a checklist. It's not in a free download. It's not in a $97 course. Not this type of work. I mean, you have to do the work and um, there is no no way around it because that success is not going to come through osmosis so yeah i agree 100 percent. i say all the time we got to give god something to bless mm-hmm. and that is our works our works is how we demonstrate that so how did you so i want to put the the transformation of sharice mm-hmm. aside and talk about the work that you do a little bit mm-hmm. so how did you become a purveyor of story well the funny thing is that i've always been a storyteller i just didn't have a name for it. Um, I was always the person, like I was always good at writing. I was always the person who people come to to write wedding vows or eulogies or song lyrics. I was always kind of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, where I am right now was is really the evolution of um, when my husband was incarcerated in 2005, was it? when he actually went to prison, prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that lifestyle, he, everything was about him. Every single thing was about him. I could quote like his prison number faster than I could quote my social security number. It was all about him. And then um, one night I was watching the US women's Olympic team qualify for this for the gold medal round and in this round the woman had dropped the baton and she had picked it up and kept going and I remember I was sitting there and I just started crying like really really crying and I was like I love this event but why am I crying so hard but I realized as I was watching it 
that seeing her drop the baton was kind of the manifestation of what I was feeling at the time. I was about four or five years in at the time. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the bat I had always been the baton. Mm -hmm. my, my life, I had always been the baton. I was always the thing that was dropped and people would pick it up and put it back down. And I felt like an object. And I really wanted to be the runner. I wanted to be her. I wanted to be the person making the decision. And I was crying because I didn't think that I was that person. I didn't think I had that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was tired of this lifestyle, but I didn't know how to break out of it. So I sat there and just kind of processed it for a while. It took me probably a month or so after that. And I put together a organization for women, um, prisoners, wives, girlfriends, and partners. There was like, I knew nobody who looked like me, knew nobody who had this story. And I was like, there has to be women who have this story. Yeah. And so I started looking for them and I brought them all together to, to talk about it so we could share this story and educate people. And that was the first time that the storytelling really started to take shape. And then I landed in the nonprofit world and I was the person responsible for telling the stories and make sure that everybody kept their jobs, including myself. Mm -hmm. So it started to kind of um, more develop. I developed a process in nonprofit life mm -hmm. and then it just kept rolling. So it's just evolved over time to where I am right now. So Yeah. And, and I think everything is story. And I think mm -hmm. when I think about my own, business and you know everything mm -hmm. and I think about what's happening now in my business it's because I'm starting to tell my story more in public mm -hmm. you know like I I don't know if you know this but I hired a video brand strategist this year mm -hmm. and um and so he's been telling my story like the stuff that like if you knew me you knew these things but like if you didn't know me you didn't know it because I mean why did somebody who doesn't know me need to know that right but what I'm finding, and we've only produced three videos so far, the first two have been released to the world, Confidence, Next Level Confidence hasn't been released yet, but that one is so juicy good. But anyway, <laughs> from the, the Next Level Vision, mm -hmm. I think the most powerful one, that was the second one that came out, it should have came out first. But anyway, from that video, just telling that piece of my story, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've gotten clients. <laughs> Like $30,000 clients, like that video has only been, I mean, I've had it since maybe March mm -hmm. and I probably have generated a hundred thousand dollars just by showing people that video. Oh, wow. And, and, and so the reason I'm bringing that up for those of you who are listening and, and as I have Reese or Sharice, excuse me, look, I, I fell back into an old pattern as I had Sharice share a little bit more about the story and, and how to tell your story in a way that begins to allow you to show up differently. I want you to be paying attention because there is money in your story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most people know, most people in business know the marketing one-on-one that you people buy when they know you, like you, and trust you. Mm -hmm. And if you want people to know you, like you, and trust you, tell them your story. Because it really does level the playing field. I remember, okay, quick story, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna have you sh begin to break this down for us. I so 2013, the same year where I rolled around in the money naked. So how I got all of the money is on day three of my event, 
I was coming back from lunch and one of the participants brought me a thank you card. I had changed her life over the last three days and she just wanted to say thank you. And she put my favorite Bible verse in there. Favorite, favorite, favorite. All the Bible verses, my absolute favorite. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man that which God has for those who love him. And so I'm reading this card and I'm reading her heartfelt words and I just start to become a puddle of tears. Mm -hmm. People are starting to come back in from lunch, but my head is down so they don't know that I'm crying. Someone, as they come into the room, says my name. Instinctively, I look up, right? So I look up, my face is all wet and they're in panic because they're like, oh my gosh, she's crying. Like, what's going on, right? And so as people, now at this point, everybody's back in the room and she's making a big deal about me, my, me crying. So I stand up. And I started talking about the note that I had gotten and how it was, it was exactly what I needed to hear to know that this is where I was supposed to be. Now, let me sidebar and say that day two of a three-day event is when you make your offer. And so I made my offer for my programs. And at 68 people in the room, at the end of day two, we had eight people who signed up. Yeah. That's not very good. That's like 12%. <laughs> Um, and so I tell this story and as I'm telling the story, I happened to let it slip because it was not intentional mm -hmm. that I had filed bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, I didn't do it for what happened, mm -hmm. but what I real, this is when story first became real to me mm -hmm. by telling my story and humanizing myself for the audience. I went from eight enrollments to 33 enrollments. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I did different is I stood up and I told my story or a part of my story because my story is many layers. We only have enough. There's not enough hours on the podcast to tell my whole story. Right. But just in that small thing, I realized the power of story and how we have to. And that was 2013. So that was probably after that, I started to unpack that even that story. So when I got the footage back from the video guy. I, st I was paying attention and I was like, okay, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm like, I stood up, I talked about my defining moment. And that's what, as we talked about before we started recording, that became the Robert Frost moment. Mm -hmm. And then I talked about what I started to do differently. And that became the same cook moment, which is the change going to come. Right? right. And then I talked about how I started doing this work and mm -hmm. that became the Harriet Tubman moment, which was me bringing other people to freedom. And that became my framework for telling story. Right. And I realize now, not only do I teach it, but in everything I do, even in emails, mm -hmm. Robert Frost, Sam Cook, Harriet Tubman, mm -hmm. like every single time, that's what I do. And so for the person who has never even thought about telling their story to the world, and maybe because their story is still filled with shame, because mm -hmm. I will say this, the story, until you shift the power of the story, you can't tell the story. So when you first are, when you are still in your story, your story has the power. And that's when you're emotional and you're crying and you're snotting and you can't even get through the whole thing. Don't be telling no stories when you're like that. <laughs> but there becomes a point in time when the power shifts. And then you, when you stop being a victim and you become a victor and you realize it didn't happen to you, it happened for you. And that energy shifts in the story. Then you get to the point where you can tell the story from a place of confidence and valor and victory and then when you can tell the story that way that's when it's appropriate to tell that story do you agree i absolutely agree it is when you are still in when the story still has power over you you don't you don't have no transformation to share 
And so if you're telling a story with no transformation, you ain't really talking about nothing. So you don't have yet the full completion of what the experience is. It's not, it's not ready. It hasn't, you know, baked long enough for you to be able to put it out into the world. So I absolutely agree with that. And, um, one of the things I also say to people when you're talking about telling the story about the bankruptcy is that people do not care about your success until they first have compassion for your struggle. Oh, repeat, repeat that, repeat that, back it up, flip it and reverse it. Right. People, people do not care about your success until they first have compassion for your struggle. And so the struggle portion is what does you know, what humanizes people because there are plenty of people in that audience who may not have ever had a bankruptcy before, but mm-hmm. they can identify with the emotion that you were conveying through the bankruptcy. Yeah. And so when we're telling those stories, we really are just communicating heart to heart with people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people, a lot of people who have never had a husband incarcerated, but they can identify with the idea of being lost in the story of somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Oh, that is so good. Let me just repeat that one more time. People don't care about your success until they have compassion for your struggle. Girl, look, you done got you enough. <laughs> now, this might be the first time I ever gave out two purple can claps in the episode. That was so stinking juicy good. Oh my gosh. And I didn't, I didn't know that piece of it. Mm-hmm. But I, but I get it now because even when I think about the video um, and how the video unfolds, it is the compassion for my struggle that people remarked on mm-hmm. that led them to booking the discovery call that turned into a $30,000 client. Right. So yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so, that is so good. Okay. So I want to start leveraging story in my work. So regardless of who I am, right? Whether I'm a nonprofit, I'm a for-profit, I'm a corporation, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a freelancer, no matter who I am, I can benefit from the power of story. Yes? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So where do I start? One of those rare things that anybody can do. (laughs) So I always like to teach people, there are six stories that that I like to have, like people to have in their portfolio. But the one that I teach the most is an origin story. And I like calling it an origin story. I've heard it called a founder story, signature story, whatever. But for me, I like calling it an origin story because one, people are nosy and we always want to know the background to something. (laughs) 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 And two, it's like, Every superhero has an origin story. And in that story, we find out what their mission is, how they came to that mission, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And it is the same with whatever story that you tell. When you tell the story of who you are, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee or you're a nonprofit, it is the story of the background. And it should tell us all of those things. Um, So when you're thinking about telling your story, there are several ways to do it, but the one that I like the most um, is talking about that Harriet Tubman moment. And we didn't plan this, you guys. No, we didn't. I was like, I was telling Sharice before we got started, I happened upon one of her posts on Facebook 
And in the post, she talked about the Harriet Tubman moment. And I was like, my eyes got all big and I got excited because I was like, I use the Harriet Tubman moment. And our words are completely different, but we get to the same point. Because yes. everybody knows who Harriet Tubman is, right? And if you don't, shame on you. You need to go all the way back to history <laughs> class in like the sixth grade. Um, but yeah, so, go, so let me let you tell everybody your version of the Harriet Tubman. My version. So there is... Um, there is a point that all of us are in business and in life solving problems. Even I, I, I often have to say, even if you're not an entrepreneur and you are working, doing what you love, you're still solving problems. So all of us are in business in life solving problems. And the Harriet Tubman moment in, in the context of how I use it is about you waking up and realize that there is a problem, that something is not quite right mm -hmm. and you want to fix that now i'm sure there was plenty there was plenty of folks in harry and tubman's world they that wanted to be free that realized that they were slaves that were tired of that life she had a system though mm -hmm. so what she did was she wanted to fix this moment and she did it in a way that people could replicate it with the mm -hmm. underground railroad so she comes and she realizes that there is a problem I'm going to figure out how to fix this problem. And when I get to the other side, I'm going to reach back mm -hmm. and take my people with me. Mm, I love it. I that's love it. the real transformation that people are selling. So Yeah, that's so good. Um, and just so that you guys have the context of how I use Harriet Tubman. So my story has three, three moments when I'm teaching people stories. So the first is your Robert Frost. That's your divining moment. Two roads, they, div they diverge in a wood. And I took the road less travel by, and that has made all the difference, right? So you go down a different path, and it leads you to where you end up. Your Sam Cook is next. So that's when, after you took the road less traveled, you stumbled upon something that made the change for you. And you want to, you want and now you're living that change. And you are the example of what happens when you make that change. Finally, to your Harriet Tubman. So now you're living your change and you are out and you're experiencing freedom. Mm -hmm. And you look around and there's not enough people free with you. So you're willing to risk everything to go all the way back into slavery to pull some other people out and bring them into the same freedom that you have learned by making your, or determining your defining moment and making a significant change. Yes. So it's so, both way I think is really, really powerful. Um, and I, what I love about it is, and when I read that about yours, I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a different perspective, but I love it. It works. It's, it's so powerful and it comes in your origin story. Okay. Um, so you said there were six. Can you just quickly tell us what the six are, even if you don't tell us what they all mean? Yeah, it's um, the origin story. Um, it's just the backstory, the value story. This is where you show people the value that you're actually bringing so they can see themselves using the product or service. Mm -hmm. There is the purpose story. That's the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It is the, um, the teaching story where mm -hmm. you're using bits of your everyday life to kind of teach people to make a point teaching, but it doesn't, it's just to prove a point or just to take people through an experience. Um, where am I at? There's the humanity story. Those again are your everyday bits of life that people can kind of identify with, um, mostly used in social media. Mm -hmm. And then there is the success story that positions you as an authority. Oh my gosh. I love it. And, and I never heard these stories this way. 
And the, the stories that I teach people are way different. <laughs> I know all about making money with the exception of what I would call a signature story, which you call an origin story. I do have a value proposition story um, and then an offer story, like how you, why you're making people an offer. And there might be another one I can't think of them. I think I only have four. But yeah, this is good. This is so, so, so good. And what I love about the work that you do is that it is founded in your own story. It is. And, you know, and I will tell you, when I was hearing God say to me, my people don't know about me, my people don't know about me, I now know that the way that I show up when you're talking about with what's going on in the world and why I'm also not protesting <laughs> is because I am here to teach people how to not be invisible. And while I don't um, specifically say, you know, talk about God um, in the context or in the way that you do, most of the people that I serve are believers. So what happens is that they dump, they dump stuff on me. They don't know how unique they are. They don't know how special they are. Mm -hmm. And by me training them through story, I am able to reveal God to them so they can see what he has done in their life. And okay. so yeah, I good. know that that's what he means when he says my people don't know. And that's what I'm here on the earth. To. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting that that's what God said to you mm -hmm. because a couple of years ago, a lot of years, 2013, 2014, no, 20, I don't know. One of those years, um, God said, people are like, I need you. People need to, oh, now I can't even remember what, exactly what it is that he, that he said, but the gist of it was people don't know how he, that, oh, people don't know how I see them. Mm -hmm. They have somehow, they have, they have lost sight of who I created them to be. I need you to show them. And that was when I switched my languaging in my and my copy and everything, we start talking about seeing yourself the way God sees you, how he's always seen you. Because most people there is, is, a, is a disconnect. I had Donald Morton on the podcast recently, and he said, um, stop looking out the window and start looking in the mirror. Because mm -hmm. when you look out the window, you see what everybody else sees. But when you look right. in the mirror, you get to see what God sees. Ah. Oh. Yes. That is so good. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is so good. I feel like, I feel like we could keep talking. Um, so what I will say is, what do you feel like, what's on your heart to share with people about story, about telling stories that make the difference about, um, surrendering to their former story to pick up their success story? Like, what would you want to leave our listeners with? I would say that all of us have, um, a moment in our lives where we know or we believe and feel like there's something greater in our life. Mm -hmm. When you come to that moment, if you are right now listening and thinking that there is something greater, that's because it is. That is the call. That is, that's God trying to get you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So when you feel that, you really have to give into that and start uncovering what it is that you are here to do. Every single one of us has a purpose. We're not finding our purpose. Our purpose is usually uncovered. 
-hmm. It is not something that you just take off of a shelf. It is really internal work. And I like to come from storytelling from that aspect that you do not want to be one of the stories that were never told that are in the graveyard right now. Yeah. It is time for you to become the greatest story ever told. And you have to be able to give voice to that because every day that you are not sharing your story, the people that you are assigned to are suffering. Mm. And it's time to just get that story out of your head and into the world. Oh my gosh, that was so good. The people you are assigned to are suffering. That's so good. That is so good. Oh my gosh. I can't, I, I just, I, okay. I just feel like I need a moment, but we don't have time for that right now. So I'm going to have to take a moment when, when this is all done. But before I can let you go, we have to do our incredible factor questions. So at the end of every episode, I ask every guest three questions. Okay. Just kind of off the top of your head, what, what you're thinking um, about things that help to make a difference. So the first question is, what's the last book that you read? It was actually Becoming by Michelle Obama. And that was a great book. I learned so many great things about her and her story by reading that book. Yes. Um, second question is, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is, actually, always keep it right next to me. I have to read it because I don't know it by heart yet. <laughs> <laughs> is right now, can you make an unconditional relationship with yourself just at the right height? You are the weight you are with the intelligence that you have and your current burden of pain. Can you enter into an unconditional relationship with that? Oh my gosh, that is so good. Why are you dropping all of these monster nuggets when we get, we don't have time to be talking about this, but okay, we got to talk about that. I, I, what I love about this quote is it, I feel like it's asking all of us to take ourselves as we are. Yes. To not be burdened or inundated with other people's thoughts or feelings or beliefs about us, but to just to see ourselves plainly and be okay with that. Oh my gosh, that's good. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna need a minute when we're done. Okay, last question. <laughs> what is one tool that you swear by to grow your business? Oh my gosh, I love this. Um, oh gosh, what is it called? It's an app, I think it's called Otter. It transcribes my words because I'm always, I always have something on my mind. So I always kind of speak into it and get it to transcribe and then that'll become like a story at some point. So okay. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. This was so good. I hate to let you go, but I'm so grateful that we were able to have this time together and get you to, to get on here and share your story and share about story with the people. Thank you so much for being here, Sharice. I appreciate you. Thank you. It was a blast. <laughs> All right. I didn't lie, did I? I told you it was going to be juicy, juicy good. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down right now on whatever paper you're using, inner journal, if you've created your own Leverage Your Incredible Factor business podcast journal, I literally want you to write down right now which story you are going to begin developing. Because here's what I know. When you have these six stories resonating in your business because of what you've been through in your life, you are about to turn crickets into cash registers.
Are you excited? I'm excited for you. And I know that if I could see you right now, you would be probably giving me a real serious cabbage patch because that was some good, juicy goodness. I got so much for myself. I can't even tell you guys how many notes I have from this conversation. There were so many powerful things that Cherie said, but the, the part that really resonated the most with me is when she talked about she was hiding behind her nickname, Reese, and it was a mask. It was a way to hide Sharice, who she really was. How many of you are masquerading right now? How many of you are not standing boldly and flat-footed into who you were truly created to be for fear, fear of failure, success, responsibility? Like, that's the fear that always gets me. I have this inherent responsibility that shows up whenever I know I should be playing a much larger game, when it's time to shift from victim to being more visible so that I can impact more lives. And I know that it is likely that you have been doing the same exact thing. So I hope that you'll heed the steps that Sharice gave us, being open to listening, and take, secondly, taking a step towards something greater. And then third, doing the work, right? Simple steps, but there's so much power in each one of those steps. And then when she said, if you're telling a story with no transformation, you aren't telling a story. Ha! Ah, did anybody get their edges snatched on that one? So I hope that you learn some really valuable tools and techniques that'll help you. Now, if you want to stay connected to Sharice, if you want to be uh, engaged with her so that you know when her next Storymakers Academy is opening, then you want to make sure that you go to the show notes so that you can get a link to her website and keep connected with this powerful woman who will show you how to shift your story so that you can really deepen yourself into massive success. I want to just give a quick shout out to the Six Figure Cashflow Club. Listen to me. If you are not a member of the Six Figure Cashflow Club, do you mind if I ask what you're waiting for? I mean, it is there. That is the only other place where you can get time and attention from me without being a, pro a client in one of my programs. In the group, I do trainings, laser coaching, and offer insight and strategy to help you to leverage your incredible factor so that you ultimately unlock six-figure cash flow in your business. And you can start your journey with us today by going to sixfigurecashflowclub.com. I pray that everything shared during this interview, all of Sharice's vulnerability really helps you to make the powerful poignant shifts you need to make so that you can start positioning your story to take you from victim to visible. I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Leverage Your Incredible Factor business podcast. If after listening to this episode, you know that it's time that you stop playing and praying small, you should go grab my Grow Your Business Toolkit. Based on the pillars of business optimization, this toolkit is the only resource you need to get crystal clear about what it will take to take your business to the seven-figure mark. Go grab yours today at growyourbiztoolkit.com. And if you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor. Head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember you deserve to scale your business, shake the planet, and fund the life you crave. Take care.